Good morning, and I'm so glad that you are able to be here today, and there are a lot of people watching online, and we welcome them also. And if you're a guest today, I have two guests. My daughter's here, and my very best friend, Trish Pruitt's here. And if you're a guest here today, even though I'm not a member of the church, let me say welcome. We're so glad that you've come to worship. We're going to be looking today at the subject of the Lord's Supper, the Lord's Supper. I want to read two passages of Scripture, first of all from Matthew chapter 26, and then 1 Corinthians chapter 11. In Matthew 26, verses 26 through 29, this is Thursday night, it's in the upper room, Jesus and the disciples have met to celebrate the Passover, beautiful, beautiful memory of when Jesus and the Holy Spirit, the work of God back in Egypt, you remember the 10th plague, the death of the firstborn, but those that had the blood of the lamb upon the doorpost, the death angel passed over them, the Passover. So they celebrated the Passover. And in this meal, Judas had left to go and sell our Lord for the price of a slave, 30 pieces of silver, the 11 and Jesus participate in the Lord's Supper. This is Matthew 26, 26. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and offered it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. And then we'll look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 26. The Apostle Paul picks up on the Lord's Supper. This is his word to the church at Corinth. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is, which is for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. This morning we're going to worship through the Lord's Supper. Some call it Holy Communion. And there are others who call it the Eucharist. Eucharist means thanksgiving or to give thanks and we noticed this morning in the passages we have read that before Jesus gave the bread before he gave the juice the wine he gave thanks so it is a time of thanksgiving the Lord's Supper is a memorial there is no forgiving power in the bread or the juice the forgiving power is in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ it's in his sacrifice on the cross for our sins. 
So please keep in mind when we come to that part of the service today where we do participate in the Lord's Supper, there is no cleansing, forgiving power in that. It's to remind us. It's a memorial. Jesus said, every time you do this, I want you to remember my death, my sacrifice, what a price has been paid for the forgiveness of our sins. So when we come to that place today and we hold the bread and we partake of it, we hold the juice and we partake of it, it should cause us to remember the sufferings, the pain, the agony, the loneliness. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We ought to remember all of that when we participate in the Lord's Supper today. The Lord's Supper is to remember how Jesus suffered and died to save us from our sins. I want to say that sentence again because that is the heart of everything. At the heart of the Lord's Supper is to remember how Jesus suffered and died to save us from our sins. Sometimes I think it's the hymns that really give an expression to some of the things that we find in Scripture. And today I'm going to refer to two or three of the hymns. The first one I want us to listen to is what is called Blessed Redeemer. Up Calvary's mountain, one dreadful morn, walk Christ my Savior, weary and worn, facing for sinners death on the cross, that He might save them from endless loss. Father, forgive them, thus did He pray, even while His lifeblood flowed fast away. Praying for sinners while in such woe, no one but Jesus ever loved so. Oh, how I love Him, Savior and friend. How can my praises ever find end? Through years unnumbered on heaven's shore, my tongue shall praise Him forevermore. And the chorus simply says, Blessed Redeemer, precious Redeemer, Seems now I see him on Calvary's tree, wounded and bleeding, for sinners pleading, blind and unheeding, dying for me. So I hope some way that song will come alive in your heart today. He is a blessed Redeemer and a precious Redeemer. Jesus himself said, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. I'm going to be reading many scriptures today because there's nothing better than the Word of God. It's true. It's powerful. And it speaks if we will just listen and absorb it, meditate upon it, let it come alive in our hearts. As we look this morning at the Lord's Supper, please notice with me that first of all, it's a reminder of the crucifixion of Jesus. It is a reminder of the crucifixion of Jesus. When you go back to that Matthew passage, listen to what he says. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks and broke it. And he gave it to his disciples saying, take, eat, this is my body. 
33 and a half years old. This is my body. Then he took the cup and, th and gave thanks and offered it to them saying, drink from it all of you. This is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. So when we look at the thought that the Lord's Supper is a reminder of the crucifixion of Jesus, keep in mind these two things. First of all, that Jesus took the punishment for the sins of the world in a six-hour period from nine in the morning to three in the afternoon on Friday, hanging on a Roman giblet, he literally took the punishment for the sins of the world. There's one of the greatest pictures of his suffering that you'll find anywhere in all of Scripture, 700 years before it ever took place. Isaiah wrote these words, Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He, that's Jesus, grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And who can speak of his descendants? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people he was stricken. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life a guilt offering, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After the suffering of his soul, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for his transgressors. Seven hundred years before it took place. Isaiah described it in detail, in detail. I hope today that some way that those words will come alive for us, that we literally will realize that he took the punishment for the sins of the whole world. On the day of Pentecost, 
Jesus had been ascended to heaven for 10 days. The Holy Spirit came on that day and Peter preached a sermon. And he said this, Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Wicked hands, wicked hands, nailed to a cross, taking the punishment for our sins. The writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews 9.28, So Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many people, and He will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for Him. Sacrificed, wicked hands, nailed to the cross. That's what we deserve, dear people. That's the punishment we should receive. But the Lord Jesus Christ took it in His own body. He took the punishment for our sins. But notice also, He paid the penalty for our sins. Listen to what Paul has to say as he writes to the church at Galatia. This is Galatians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Grace and peace be to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. He gave Himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age. Also in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 13 it says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. He took the punishment. He paid the penalty. He became the curse. So when we hold that little element of bread and that little element of juice, we need to remember it's a reminder of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. What He did for us and taking the punishment and paying the penalty Again in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 7 and 8. In Him, in Jesus, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sin in accordance with the riches of God's grace that He lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. As we look at our Savior hanging on that cross, the spittle is dry. His his back is still bloody and beaten. He's bruised from falling and trying to get the cross to Calvary. But as we look at Him, we want to remember that He's the Redeemer. We have redemption through His blood. 
the forgiveness of our sins. And it's according to the riches of God's grace. God has lavished it. I like that word. God has lavished His grace, His love, His mercy on us through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Colossians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, For He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. What does that word redemption really mean? Well, I'll try to do a little word study on that. It's in the Old Testament. It's in the New Testament. In the New Testament, it's basically a thought of, uh, it's like a slave that's in the slave market. And someone comes along and they pay the price for that slave. And when that slave steps down and steps over to the owner, the owner says, you're free. You're free to go. You're free to live. It's like a person, maybe uh, because of a, of a debt, he could not pay, goes to prison. There's a wife and children that need that source of income. But the husband, the dad is in prison. And someone comes along and says, what's the fine? What's the penalty? What's the price to get this person out of prison? And so they pay whatever it is. And when the person comes out through those bars and stands out in the foyer, the man who's paid the, paid the price simply says, you're free to go. You're free to go. Your price has been paid. And oh, my dear people, that is exactly what our blessed Savior did in those six hours on the cross, taking the punishment and paying the penalty for our sins. For our sins. I read the other day that five out of ten people in America think you go to heaven on your good works. And I want to ask a question. What work are you going to do that is better than the work that Jesus did in six hours hanging on a cross? What work are you going to do? I can't think of anything that even comes close to comparing to what my Lord Jesus Christ did in the crucifixion, the crucifixion. So the Lord's Supper is a reminder of the crucifixion of Jesus. Second of all, the Lord's Supper is an assurance of the forgiveness of our sins. The forgiveness of our sins. Let's go back to our text again in Matthew 26 and verse 28. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. There's a purpose, Jesus says, in my shed blood. And that purpose is the forgiveness of sins. Now, there are two things that this ought to do for us. First of all, we should go back to our conversion. I want you to do that. Where were you, where were you saved? When were you saved? Maybe you can't remember all the details. I'll tell you very quickly what little I can remember about mine. But it's very vivid. I was 10 years old. It was the Riverside Baptist Church across the river here in Albuquerque. I had known for about two or three months that I was lost. I remember sitting in a circle of RA boys, Royal Ambassador boys, memorizing the scripture for the rank of page 
and the scriptures were for the plan of salvation. I still remember, remember memorizing that scripture that I, I read from Isaiah. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. In that little circle of boys with R.A. Green, the pastor, I remember the Holy Spirit spoke so vividly to me, that's you, that's you, sheep gone astray. Now, I had stolen some peaches from the neighbor's yard. I had said some words that uh, my grandmother would take soap and water and wash my mouth out to get some of those words out. And uh, I had disobeyed my parents. I had uh, lied to my teacher. I knew I was a sinner at 10 years old. I knew I was a sinner. And I can remember that Sunday night. It was somewhere along September of October. We had changed pastors. J.B. Fine was the pastor. I remember as a 10-year-old boy walking down that aisle of Riverside Baptist Church. I gave my hand to J.B. Fine and I told him I wanted to give my heart to Jesus. And I did. He helped me to confess my sin, repent of my sin. I didn't understand everything. I just knew that Jesus loved me. I was a sinner. And if I'd confess and repent and receive Him, I'd be saved. And that's exactly what happened. And so today, when we take these elements, we need to go back to our conversion, whether it was at Inlow Baptist Camp or whether it was in Hoffman Town Church or whether it was in a mother's knee or maybe a father or maybe in vacation Bible school. But think just for a moment, where was I and when did it happen that I was saved? Saved from the penalty and the punishment of my sin when Jesus came in and He became real to me. That's what the Lord's Supper ought to be able to do for us. It should remind us of John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him will not perish, but They'll have everlasting life. Or maybe what Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus in Ephesians 2 and verse 1, he says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. And until Jesus comes and makes us alive, we're dead. We're, we're walking cadavers. We may have a living body, but we've got a dead soul until we're quickened and regenerated and made alive in the person of Christ. Paul goes ahead to say, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and it's not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. And again, Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made Him, that's Jesus, God made Jesus who had no sin to be sin for us, so that we might be, become the righteousness of God. Isn't that amazing we're in the darkness and we're separated and sin is the plague. And Jesus comes in and He literally makes us right with God, the righteousness of God. John wrote, the blood of Jesus His Son purifies us from all sin. There is a detergent in the blood of Christ that permeates the deepest part of our soul and washes us and cleanses us and makes us clean before God. I want to turn to another song this morning. There was a music director at uh, First Baptist Church of Dallas named Leroy Till, and he used to sing this song at the evangelism conference every year. 
The title of the song is, But This I Know. Listen carefully to what it says. I do not know the depths of Jesus' love that brought him down to earth from heaven above, nor why he bore the cross up Calvary and shed his precious blood so willingly. I do not know what pain he suffered there, the burden of my sin and shame to bear. It may be well to hide it all from me, lest my own heart should break in sympathy. And the refrain says, But this one thing I know, that when the crimson flow dropped to the earth below, it fell on me. My eyes were open wide. I saw Him crucified and knew for me He died on Calvary. Well, we not only look back to our conversion, but dear people, we need to look at our present commitment. When we hold that juice, and that little piece of bread, and we partake of it, we need to begin to think, what am I doing about that? Jesus gave His all. His best, His blood, His life. For me. He saved me. What am I doing today? For Him. As Paul says, present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. Paul says that's our reasonable service. That's kind of the very least we can do is to present ourselves constantly. I also want us to keep in mind what, what the Scripture says in 1, in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. When we participate today, we're saying we do proclaim the crucifixion and the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ until He comes again or we go to Him. But please keep this in mind. We don't just do it here. We need to do it out there, outside the walls, with our life and with our lips We need to let people know that Jesus is the Savior, that He's real, that He saved us, He'll save them. Sometimes we act like Arctic rivers. We're frozen over at the mouth. In some way we get rigor mortis of the tongue and the words just won't come flowing out like we want them to. I want to go back to that song. I'm going to read the third stanza of this song, But This I Know. I do not know what I can do or say, my debt of gratitude to Him to pay, but I at least my, may, may, but at least may cry, O oh Christ divine, had I a thousand lives, they should be thine. If I had a thousand lives, they should be thine. Listen to the chorus once more. But this one thing I know, that when the crimson flow dropped to the earth below, it fell on me. My eyes were opened wide. I saw Him crucified and knew it was for me He died on Calvary. We have an assurance of the forgiveness of our sins. God had a purpose in the cross. He had a purpose in the life and the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. And His purpose was our need. Our need. Our sin problem. 
Our need to be right with God. Our need to go to heaven when we die. Our need to be ready when Jesus comes. God saw the need and the answer to the need is the cross and the empty tomb. It's Jesus. There's no other name under heaven whereby men must be saved. It's Jesus. Jesus. There's a third thing I want us to notice about the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper is an expectation of the return of Christ. Return of Christ. Jesus says in both passages of Scripture that I have read, He says something about that. He said, I tell you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now until that day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. And uh, Paul says over in the passage in 1 Corinthians, he says, we do show the Lord's death until He comes. Until He comes. So we observe the Lord's Supper with Jesus not physically present. Now, Jesus is here today. I want to tell you where He is. If you've trusted Him, He's in your heart. He's in your life through the Holy Spirit. And besides that, He's in this building. The Holy Spirit is everywhere. And Jesus is truly here. I like uh, what those people that love to do the Passover meal, you know, the Jews put an empty chair at the Passover. And it's for Elijah. It's for Elijah. They think maybe Elijah could come and join them. In some way, I feel like today, we need to put an empty chair up here. And it's for Jesus. Because until He comes... We're going to observe the Lord's Supper in spirit. But He's going to come. And I want to refer to the passage of Scripture, I believe, that it speaks because someday we're going to observe the Lord's Supper with Jesus present. And in the book of Revelation, in chapter 19, in verses 6 through 9, there is what we call the marriage feast of the Lamb. Listen to it carefully. This is Revelation 19, verse 6. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters and the loud peals of thunder shouting, Hallelujah, for our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give Him glory, for the wedding of the Lamb has come and His bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of the saints. Then the angel said to me, Write, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, These are the true words of God. And so today we gather and we have the Lord's Supper. But the day is going to come that we're going to sit down at a marriage feast. At a marriage feast. I want to close with another song. I don't know why I cannot sing, but I tell you, I really can't. Uh, I was behind the door when God passed out music ability. And, but I do love the words and the messages of the song. Henry Crouch wrote this. I'm, excuse me, Andre Crouch wrote this. How can I say thanks for the things He has done for me, things so undeserved You gave to prove Your love for me. The voices of a million angels could not express my gratitude. All that I am or ever hope to be, I owe it all to Thee. To God be the glory. 
To God be the glory. To God be the glory for the things He has done. With His blood, He has saved me. With His power, He has raised me. To God be the glory for the things He has done. Just let me live my life. Let it be pleasing, Lord, to Thee. And should I gain any praise, let it go to Calvary. With His blood, He has saved me. With His power, He has raised me. To God be the glory for the things He has done. So we come to the time of participating in this memorial supper. Now, if you came in today and you did not receive this little container of the bread and the juice, would you please hold up your hand so that the ushers can see you and be able to place this in your hand? If there's anyone here that uh, you did not, just hold your hand up. We'd like for everyone to participate. So if you did not get it, please, please just hold your hand up. We'll give just a moment for everyone to receive the, the container. While they're doing that, let me say this. You say, well, who should participate? Just the members of Hoffmantown Baptist Church? No. Every person who has received Jesus Christ as their Savior, and you know that you are a child of God, born again, redeemed, the blood of Christ has cleansed you and purged you of your sin, you need to participate. You need to let this be a worship time when you, again, as we've talked about in the message, that Jesus took the penalty and paid the punishment for my sin. I have been saved, born again, by His grace, by His love, by His mercy, by His power. So please participate if you have received Christ as your personal Savior. Does everybody have a container? You will notice that there are going to be two times that you're going to reach down. And first of all, you're going to reach down and you're going to want to, that little container of bread is at the top. And if you'll just wait and we'll do everything together, please, let's do everything together. You're going to want to peel off that top so that you can get to the bread. And then there'll be another time that you'll peel off again to get to the juice. So... Let's go ahead and get prepared for the bread. If you would, please, just uh, peel off that little top. If, if you have arthritis in your hand or maybe you can't quite see it, if you need a little bit of help, just hold up your hand. Let somebody come and help you do that. All right. We're, we're ready with the bread. I'm going to read the scripture. Let me first of all pray. Loving Father, we thank you for sending your only begotten Son to this earth to walk among us, to die on the cross for our sins, and to be raised again to give us eternal life. Thank you, Father, and thank you that this bread represents his body that literally absorbed the punishment for our sin. Scripture says, while they were eating, Jesus took bread and gave thanks and broke it. And he gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat, this is my body.
Now, if you'll very carefully peel off the last seal that, can, that keeps the juice sealed off and be very, very careful because you can spill it and we don't want you to get it on your clothes or anything. So carefully peel that off. Again, I want to read the scripture. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you that for six hours you stayed silent in heaven while the Lord Jesus shed his blood for our sins. And thank you that we don't have to do any work. There's no certain achievement that we have to do. We just come confessing and repenting of our sin and asking Jesus to be our Savior and His blood cleanses us from all sin. Thank you for that. Jesus, the scripture says, Then He took the cup, gave thanks, and offered it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. But this one thing I know, that when the crimson flow dropped to the earth below, it fell on me. My eyes were opened wide. I saw him crucified and knew for me he died on Calvary. I want to have a closing prayer. You can go out any of the doors. God bless you for coming. Some of you are going to Hurry home to get on the line for your Sunday school class. God bless those teachers. And God bless that Bible time. Let's pray. Loving Father, we just want to celebrate with you. Give glory to you. Thanksgiving to you for so great a salvation. Thank you for the forgiveness of our sins. Thank you for making us whiter than the snow. Thank you, Father, for the day that's going to come that we will sit down with the Lord Jesus in person and celebrate, celebrate His life, His death, His resurrection, and the eternal life that we'll be experiencing in heaven forever and ever. We thank you, Father, for every blessing you give. In Jesus' name, amen.